Welcome to Under the Helmet. We've got some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Official show of UTHDynasty.com. Home to over 250-plus premium podcasts on an annual basis. Got a UTH trade calculator. And things are flowing here in the off-season. Got all the rankings up to date. Some new features, new metrics that you can see on display at the skill positions. Got a special guest this week. Been rotating around between some new, some new names, some new voices, as well as Tim Torch coming on. I do some solo shows. But this week, we have Justin Andrew, a uh, longtime listener uh, and he also does some podcasting on his own so we'll get into where to find him as we go through the show here but justin great to have you aboard we got some nice topics as we begin the offseason officially um and you are very close we were just talking about your schedule changing just because you're uh close here to the chiefs not a chiefs fan but it's actually yeah. impacting your personal life uh with the chiefs winning the super bowl uh in the last day or two oh yeah so parades on wednesday so we got the email last night 20 minutes after the game they are out of school wednesday for the parade and as a father of four i i'm super stoked about it yeah and you and we know uh, <laughs> you as a buffalo bills fan that's a bills uh, fan yeah. they would not be they would not be closing down for a parade where you live <laughs> if, no. uh, if, if it was a buffalo super bowl so that's uh absolutely, yeah yeah absolutely not i mean the bills have to win one first in order for that to ever happen but um yeah definitely close to home here not a big fan especially considering how the season ended yeah and and the fact that you know the oscillating line of supermax versus not supermax and the fact that the eagle uh, sorry that the the chiefs won where mahomes on the supermax they they lose tyreek hill uh, a lot of things working against them this year and still they were able to come home with the championship how are you feeling with you know Burrow still on the rookie contract and Trevor Lawrence it could be a riser in the next year or two uh, to have uh, Jacksonville in their window, so to speak? Do you feel like the Bills are losing a window, still in the window, or everything's going to level off here in a couple of years and it's all going to be a uh, pretty level playing field? Yeah, I mean, the only the only quarterback, I mean, really, I'm not that concerned about Jacksonville. I think Buffalo's defense is still top shelf i know they have some upcoming cap space issues i think they're 17 million under the cap they can fix all that by just restructuring josh allen's contract so um i think long term the Bengals and the chiefs present the biggest threats um i still think the bills could should should escape with you know a super bowl berth with josh allen but it's hard to argue that mahomes isn't the best quarterback in the nfl at this point i mean if you put Mahomes on the Bills, I think they'd go farther than Josh Allen took them. Um, but you know, people don't want to talk about it. But Allen also had that elbow injury that he said was kind of hindering him towards the end too. So, how do you feel about uh, how do you feel about round one of startup drafts? Where a lot of times I, I've seen this past month or so, seeing Josh Allen at one and Patrick Mahomes at two. Um, for a while, I think I had a tweet last year. I I kind of thought that 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 made sense because Allen had back-to-back QB1 finishes, which aside from him and Rodgers is not really commonplace to have those back-to-back finishes. But if you're looking for longevity in dynasty leagues, which obviously we most of the time are, I think Mahomes presents to you the longer range option because Allen does have that mobility. I think that you could suffer from you know future injury, but there is a variance there to begin with. But I think Mahomes is going to be long term still going to be that QB1 for me but I really don't think you can go wrong with either obviously I mean I could flip them back and forth you could have an argument for either of them but I don't think that there's anyone else I think they're in a, a league of their own I don't think I could take there shouldn't be any other discussion outside of those two I know Burrow's good but Burrow has concerns you know we haven't seen you know he started off the season slow this year and last year 
He has Chase, but Chase is coming up on his deal. Higgins is going to be out the door. So we're really going to start seeing, you know, kind of how that all shakes out. And I think there's more questions there than there are answers, in my opinion. If you were in the the first round of a Superflex startup draft, what would be your and again, we what no matter how you do draft selection, sometimes it's random, sometimes you're doing quasi you have some quasi control over over where you're drafting. But you know, your answer is probably going to be, "Well, I'd love to be at one <laughs> or two. Yeah, that would be one. great. But, but where do you think are the significant drops of uh, don't really like where this is, and the move for you if you can't move up would actually be to move back? Do you think there's some clear lines in the sand, whether it's at quarterback or if you're bringing in other positions? So it really, it, it's kind of funny because there's it really depends on where Deshaun Watson goes for me because the top four, you got Allen or Mahomes. I could switch those up. I probably go Mahomes one, Allen two. I'd probably go Burrow at three, and then I'd have Herbert at four. And then you get into some questionable territory with Hertz. Um, he is due for that long-term extension. You know, he does have AJ Brown and Devontae Smith there, and I'm a big fan of Dallas Goddard. Um, but outside of that, I mean, right there is where it kind of gets murky. I'd probably even have Lamar up there. It really depends on how it all shakes out after those top four. But my favorite move right now is if you're not there and if you're if there's a third round reversal uh mm-hmm. where you know you're drafting 12 and that becomes 301 then that's really where i'm targeting like a dak prescott deshaun watson kind of start up there because you get right now it seems like the market's kind of like out on those two players and i really think that it's you know by next year we could see them back in the top five or six but they're not currently sitting there because of the stigma that goes with Dak Prescott and then obviously Deshaun Watson's off the field issues and stuff like that. And there's a lot of question marks in Cleveland, but when Deshaun Watson has finished a full season without injury or suspension, he's been a top five quarterback every year. So until I don't see that, I'm going to kind of just assume that, you know, water is still wet. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, think back to the first few seasons with Watson and he was right there with Mahomes. They were talked about, as sort of that one, two of the the next up and coming, uh, highly productive phenom type quarterbacks um, at their at, you know at, at the that position and at that time period for their career arc, um, yeah, and and we we just did a, a football guy staff mock draft and um, Watson and Prescott were both right in there in that mid second round range and it feels like feels like stealing if you can get them as your QB two almost like a backstop plan where you might want to get two options that are better but even if you don't um, that's a really nice fail safe of saying well I have good predictability that if I'm sitting there at 204 206 that you know one of them is going to be right around that range uh, at a minimum yeah absolutely and then I see the biggest misconception I see in these drafts and you can correct me if I'm wrong how you feel but I mean to me when I see people go you know, Jefferson's a talent. I just feel like the receiver position is so dependent on the quarterback and there's questions in Minnesota. Um, and then, you know, you know, you have Jonathan Taylor right now. I'm, the, the biggest, the funniest thing I see is when people take these first round rookies. Um, like I think a couple of years ago, you had Trevor Lawrence. I saw him go as high as 106 and the ceiling is there, but you know, I had a tweet out the other day. I feel like so much has shifted in this landscape within the last three years where people are so eager to be on the young guys. Like, well, this guy is going to be good. It's like, is he? Um, Like, I think last season. Like Bryce Young's going to go in the second round, you know, or something like that. 
like even this offseason, people were kind of losing their minds over Damian Pierce. And I was like, if I can get a first round pick for Damian Pierce before the season even starts, um, I feel like I'd have to do that based on the draft capital that was spent on him. And kind of, you know, you look at the range of outcomes. Um, if you can get a first round draft pick, uh, you know, get a guy that was drafted in the first or second round the following year and you sell him, it kind of just can, continues to build on itself if you can do that. But in general, in these, you know, in startup drafts, I really try and be out on position players in the early, you know, first round because there seems to be, you know, if, in, a, in a super flex league, I'll preface that obviously. Yeah, I was thinking, and again, I know it's a dying breed, but 10 years ago, it used to be the mainstay, which is one quarterback formats. I, I thought, because it's been so rare that I've thought about a one quarterback startup draft that I started thinking about it. I was like, wait a second. You know, talk so much about quarterbacks and profiles and making sure you secure the most important position in that format uh, high up. And then I started thinking about, well, you take all the quarterbacks out. It's like, what does round one really look like? You know, I started to get my head wrapping my head around it because I was writing some content for those those one quarterback startups. And I was like, wow, you know, if, if I didn't get Jefferson or Chase, it's a really like it doesn't seem like there's a lot of value in, yeah. in round one of a startup draft. There really isn't. And even when you look at the running back position, I mean, if you look at the position today as it was three, four years ago, I mean, how many how many running backs in that first round do you feel comfortable taking as of today? I mean, you're looking at probably Bijan being a top five pick and he hasn't even played it down. Right. And there's good reason for that, but there's really no running back as of today that I can think of that's like the slam dunk consensus RB1. And I'd still probably take the bet on Jonathan Taylor, but it depends on how you're going with it. Yeah, and I again, I think it's interesting because so many people listen and uh, to to UTH and and myself and just talk. We talk running back so much. Uh, I mean, I, I record what about forty minutes at least every single week yeah. in season on running back. That's it. And so I think people might think that I would be all over like, oh, you take a running back early in a startup draft, yes, but I'm the exact opposite. Exactly. You know that, it, that it's really about the waiver wire. It's about these low end trades. It's about profile hunting um, and all these things. And I just in a startup draft though, it's a completely different environment because there's some sunken cost. You know, you draft highly. We were just having a conversation before we started recording on Taylor and just you know the the just the optics of buying you know a guy that recently finished as running back one overall. And you know, a lot of people have done the done the research of you know he was a really weak quote unquote weak running back one in that year. Yeah. Um. But it's it's interesting because there's flaws to everybody. You know, like it, I think at running back, you can see big upside, but there's a lot of little cracks in the foundation that can go wrong. Like Bijan Robinson, okay, never played, but there's a lot of positives. Again, there's positives to all these. But Jonathan Taylor, he's gonna be 24 years old. He's basically halfway done with his prime window. Half. He's a, I think. I think this year's. I think this will be his final year of his rookie deal, right? Because he's a second round running back. Yeah. So yeah, 21, 22, 23. So this will be year four, right? Yep. Um and, and again, he's been he's been good. You know, you could say that this last year, oh man, big big downturn, question marks, all that stuff. Um, but and then Travis Etienne, he's older than you think. He's gonna be twenty four as well. Twenty four and a half. So again, it's halfway gone. Um and again, I, I part of me also doesn't like the way Etienne runs inside. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Brees Hall coming off of an injury. We really had what six, seven games, and then yep. second one, Barkley's twenty six. Christian McCaffrey's twenty seven. Kenneth Walker, people want to put him up there. PPR wise, passing game wise, yeah. got to see a heck of a lot more. People don't like Josh Jacobs, so he's not even close to the conversation for uh, the market. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, people are going to push him up. Austin Eckler's twenty eight. Um, I I don't think that, is there really an argument for anybody else like way high. 
So I mean, no. that's pretty much the list. And I pointed out easy flaws with each one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who would you draft up there? Like, yeah, that's why it's to me in a start one quarterback, it's like a uh, wide receiver and then or trade down. Yeah, for pretty sure. I mean, yeah. And in kind of what I've been the, the path that I've, and I, I'm a hundred percent there with you. When I first started doing dynasty back in like 2019, 2018 is I was all about running backs, but as I've slowly listened to you guys, I mean, it's, it's clear as day. It's just a position that you kind of just take your lumps with and you, you go look for the value. Like this off season, I think the best values you can, the, the guys I'm targeting are guys like Antonio Gibson and Alexander Madison, because there's a lot of murkiness there, but the upside is there. There's mm-hmm. injury concerns with Gibson. Um, but I think he's relatively cheap. I just got him in a trade for a 2024 second. Yeah. Um, so and then Madison, I, 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 the rumor is they're going to trade um, Dalvin Cook, but I think Madison's even a free agent. So just trying to see where he lands. But I'm all about kind of going after murky situations and looking for the upside. Like a Tony Pollard two years ago, if you can get him in the second or third round of a rookie draft, that's kind of where you're making your, your that's kind of where you're buttering your bread, I would say. Yeah. And Gibson's, uh, like you mentioned, for a future second. And just to outline why that makes a lot of sense is that. What you what do you generally hope for in the second round? You hope for a day two running back. So check with Antonio Gibson. You yeah. hope for a guy that has some physical upside or some situational upside. But Gibson, he's produced already. And he you've seen him be a quality PPR and, and receiving centric option. He's got the requisite size, but the situation right now just stinks. He's in a committee, but he's still only just 25. And at worst, he's an injury away guy. If Brian Robinson goes down, how does he look? Pretty darn good. So yep. how is that different than taking uh, on you know the best case typically in a, a rookie draft is is finding that profile of an incoming rookie that has a lot more variable than Antonio Gibson at this point. So that's why just just to outline I mean you 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 kind of yeah. glossed over it but I mean that's probably the the nuts and bolts of why yes, a deal exactly. like that makes sense. To <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and you what know he's you? also a passing down back and if it's PPR, you know e- right. even if you get 10 points out of him right. exactly. But but that's what I like. You know, the receiving centric guy that's big enough can move. I always say it's the big back that can move and can catch. Uh, yeah. And you'll probably hear that twenty times this 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 off season with draft uh, rookie draft season coming up. But uh, but yeah, that's the profile. Uh, if you don't have a big time rushing score from college, you can work your way around that. And Antonio Gibson definitely did not have that coming out of Memphis. Uh, what what is your favorite time of year uh, to do a startup draft? And, and and kind of what are the biggest reasons for that over a different time period? Yeah, so I definitely don't like doing it in August. I would say right around now or like that first week after the NFL draft. The problem with doing it in August is, you know, all the work that, you know, I feel like I put a lot of work into this, as I'm sure you do. Um, I watch all these guys and I do the research and there's really just values to be had um, around this time of year, whether it be, you know, people get rookie fever and so they will often trade up and they'll take a guy like Trevor Lawrence, top six in a super flex startup. Um, if you did a startup today, as we were just talking about in a, in a start one quarterback, you're looking at Bijan, probably a top five pick, I would say based on, you know, right. based on Going late first or early second in yeah. a super flex. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just feel like we kind of get over our head, get over our skis with, we have to be, we want to be the first guy that says, oh, I knew this guy was going to be good. I wanted to draft this guy here, but we're going to go ahead and profit out. Yeah, exactly. But we're going to pass over guys like Mike Evans because he's old. I can't let him die on my roster. And, you know, I got, 
Julio Jones for like a third or a fourth round pick a couple of years ago. Um, I think it was when he got traded to the, was it the Titans? And, you know, he hasn't done a whole lot, but he had, if you can find those weeks, it's okay. But I really prefer getting guys like an, um, Devonte Adams at this stage in the game, Stefan Diggs. They're not really super high up there as you would expect them to be in terms of the cost. And you're not paying like a first round startup pick to get a Bijan Robinson. If you can just trade down, if you have to, obviously I'd go quarterback in the first round, like we just talked about, but really it's just trying to avoid the landmines of having to predict, having to be perfect in your analysis. Cause I do a lot of work in rookie drafts and I'm, you guys do a lot of good work, but there's going to be misses and to like put yourself in a position where you have to get that running back position right in a startup. I just try to avoid that every time. And I found it to be the successful Avenue to go down. Yeah. And, and here's, here's an interesting point. Jordan and I, talk about this at football guys a few times a year is you you have the insulation factor but insulation means market value insulation ultimately means i'm building this roster spot or this part of my team for what everybody else to to google at and feel good about or this whole idea of liquidity of i'm gonna trade all my players okay well who you getting the players that you originally wanted to draft like i don't understand like and that's different than than you know in a, in a, a, a startup draft drafting a rookie pick you know i think yeah. that's a different conversation but when you're drafting like oh I'm, I'm getting this rookie this rookie this rookie so that i don't lose a ton of value by next year that sounds terrific except who are you starting like actually managing your team and then you're going to trade them for what producers picks like yeah. you, you see where I'm going here. Like it's kind of a circular yeah. thing. So you're doing you're insulated so that you can do what? Trade them, right? Trade them. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the only reason you would possibly care about insulation is to trade them away. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I've also I've often wondered. I had a friend who he did like a dispersal and he got Trevor Lawrence. And he this was like right before he played his rookie season. And I was like, yeah, I would probably I think he he got a decent deal on him, and I can't remember what he sold him for. But the premise of my argument is I'm wondering how many people, if you took Trevor Lawrence in a startup before his rookie season, I'm wondering how many people actually entered this past season where he had a decent season mm-hmm. um, that actually held on to him through right. that rough patch. Because if you spent the high of a pick, you better darn well see your, you know, you better feel really good about it to where if he does have that dreadful season with Urban Meyer that you're going to, still stick with them the year later. Right. And, and I think one of the other things that really opened my eyes in recent years was looking across a ton of different leagues and realizing that roster retention was so low that, you know, I think it was something like in, in for even two years, 24 months later, you, you barely have 50%. Maybe it's 50, 55% of your roster still intact. That could be cuts, that could be trades, uh, any way of attrition off of your roster. But the point is, in a 25-man league, you might have 12, 13, 14 players that are still on your team. So that means you're moving, you're shaking, you're trading, you're dropping, you're doing consolidating, you're doing a bunch of stuff. And so, yeah, the idea of, oh, well, I got this player and look at this career arc, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really buying. So I've started really looking a lot more when I'm, I'm projecting out rookies and probabilities and all this stuff. And if I'm actually going to make a pick in a rookie draft that depending, unless it's a super deep league with premiums, it's like, I'm a, I'm a squad on this round four tight end, you know, for, for two or three years because it's diabolically deep and start two and all this stuff. But otherwise 
I mean, you this whole idea of you're kind of looking at the rookie contract, that sounds great. There's no way you're drafting a guy at 305 in most formats and you're holding him that you would actually benefit from a year three breakout. There's no chance. Like you yeah. might drop him by October. It's, yeah, it's mind blowing I mean, that people think in such a, a macro term. And then guess what? We get to end season and we break down every single snap. And you might have offered him out in a trade five times before week one of their rookie season. Yeah, especially in a shallow league. Like, you know, like if you're looking at like an FFPC, like there's no way that, you know, I guess third round's not really, you know, because they have multiple rounds there. But, you know, as you, I've played against you in leagues and, you know, when your rosters, you know, when you build your roster the right way, those third round picks nine times out of 10 don't even really make it to the start of the season on my end because I don't have any room for them. And especially if like Dak Prescott gets hurt week one, it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go look at door number one and see if, you know, this backup has anything because it's a super flex league and he's instantly starting. So he's infinitely more valuable than my, my third round pick too. So we are, this part of the off season, the next couple months, especially we're leading up to rookie drafts, uh, combine yes, free agency, but it's going to be a lot about incoming rookies. So what are your thoughts on the fact that there is rookie fever? It gets hot this time of year. Uh, just the idea of, of trading and, and trading capital of rookie picks. Yeah, it really just depends on what the mark, like kind of what people are doing. I know as I've been seeing around like Twitter and stuff, people are that we were, they were really high on 23. Now we're kind of low on 23. But I think as we, as once the draft happens, we're going to start seeing people be like, oh, this guy landed in the perfect situation. I need to have him. I need to have him. And that's kind of when you look around the market and you say, okay, um, where did the player, you know, what is the actual situation? I look at a situation like, you know, Pittsburgh where uh, George Pickens is there and Deontay Johnson is just sitting there kind of like a no man's land, especially in startups. And if, you know, if you say you have a high pick and if you could get like a Deontay Johnson and trade down from, you know, where you're at in the first round, especially after Bijan, there's not a lot of consensus as of today. If you kind of trade down there, if you don't need a quarterback, um, you take a Deontay, like, okay, I'll move down from 102 and go to like 105. Give me Deontay Johnson and a two and give me like a 105 or a 106. Kind of start there and see where people will go. But I really like to see, I like to start out high because once rookie season comes around, people are very much, out of, they really want to get the next rookie and they're willing to just trade you these assets that had a down season. And that's kind of like, this is your time to pounce on that. It feels like. Yeah, and I do think the timing is important, you know, because a lot of times if you if you say that that's sort of your philosophy or your recommendation and analysis, a lot of people take that as well. I need to do that right now. I should trade one hundred two for you know one hundred eight and Deontay Johnson right now. You know, that's just no. That's what yeah. That's what that's what Justin just said. But but you need to let that crest and peak because the I would say when the rookie draft is going on. Is exactly. probably the biggest moment when veterans have the least value. Yes, and it's funny because you get all the way to August, you get to September, and people are like, "Oh yeah, they do get a lot of targets." This is kind of good to put in your lineup. It's almost like they have Alzheimer's. It goes to re, uh, redraft season, but you know that twenty-seven-year-old wide receiver wasn't super sexy back in April. Back and in May, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so so th- that's the big thing, though, is, is on the clock. It can be tough because we can have all these great plans in our head. Be like, oh, I want to buy this guy. Oh, I want to trade 206 for Mike Evans. I want to do all this stuff. But you kind of, unless you get, and I, what I always tell people, you need to get a really good deal 
right now. Right now, because yeah. you're giving up on the two months of elevation, the possibilities, the speculation of who's going to test well, who's going to go where. Uh, you know, more guys, you know, going higher in the draft than you expect. Like so many variables. So you really have to make sure that if you sell or if you trade down, you're getting really good bang for your buck. It has to be kind of a premium on top because of the time value that the next couple months provide. Yeah, and I, I'm 100% there with you. We, I actually had a, not an argument, but there was a discussion with the co-manager. An and <laughs> he, uh, he was like, well, we have these deals. What do you think? And I'm like, oh, I think we just wait till the draft. And, it's like, mm-hmm. and they just keep messaging us. And I'm like, no, man, just sit on it and see what happens. Because you never know what's going to happen in the next two months. Like There could be a surprise retirement. So then all of a sudden that elevates someone. You just never know what's going to happen. So just let it play out. Wait till you're on the board because it's always... It, it's it's always more valuable when there's a deadline. Right now, there's no deadline. You got months. I mean, this time last year, we well, all assumed well, Malik also, Willis you, was the one on one. Right. Well, and also remember when you, in drafts, I'm sure I'm sure you have enough data points that this has happened to you plenty. But like, there you get in situations where you can't trade up. People don't want to trade down. So imagine the idea of you being there and being willing to trade down. Yeah, you're providing an opportunity. People can look, and they finally have a tangible player helmet, jersey, landing spot, draft pedigree combination. I'm at 105, and if I traded up, I'd be drafting this player. But right now, it's like, what's 105? It's nothing. It's a blank. It's a blank piece of paper. So it doesn't yeah. even matter. Um, I had to ask because because it seems like you were in the pro Deontay Johnson camp, which probably means in you're you're in the George Pickens skeptical camp. So on the crazy scale, how crazy is it that Pickens is going ahead of Deontay Johnson and plenty of people think Pickens greater than Johnson? So I'm high on both, but I'm okay. not I'm not gonna say Pickens is like a top twenty asset or even a top twenty five asset. I think so there's value there. The market is gonna say you hate him then. That is true. The market will tell me that might I have concerns. I, I, as much as I like both, I do have concerns. My concern is is that Deontay Johnson has no guaranteed money left on his deal, so he could be moved. And so buying Deontay Johnson could be advantageous, but it could also be a situation where he goes somewhere that's not as valuable, which would elevate Pickens. But the fact that Pickens is so much more costly than a Deontay Johnson, I, I just don't understand that because Deontay Johnson has the pedigree. We've seen him do it, and Pickens has these amazing catches but highlight reels don't score me fantasy points. Um, and Deontay Johnson's done it consistently. We're heading into the off season. We're going to have a full off season with Kenny Pickett and George and Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. So I think that offense can only get better. And I'm going to take the guy that I've seen do it multiple times versus the guy that's shown me glimpses of his potential. Yeah. And, and one of the big divides is, you know, a lot of people, uh, the assumption of getting better the assumption of elevating their play. And a lot of people see, especially a wide receiver that finishes, you know, wide receiver 40, 50, 60, where, so they were relevant. You know, they might've found lineups a little bit, but if you weren't in the top 20, 25, 30, there, it really does drop down in terms of expected outcomes going forward. Pickens was below that. And I mean, we, we broke it down. I think we did a whole show on football guys, yeah. uh, George Pickens, yeah, last week, uh, yep. which is a good, yeah, last week. So it's a good listen for everybody, but the whole, like, have you done it? Have you not done it? And the other part is Deontay Johnson is a classic case. Like we, we see this all the time. So he has a top 12 season under his belt. He has a top 20 season under his belt. Uh, both of those coming in the past couple of years. Now, what he did have was a down year this year. Well, he didn't score any touchdowns. 
And he's at 27 where it's like, ah, you're kind of old news. You've been around a while and you're coming off an unspectacular for your own career arc season. That's the perfect combination uh, that that really provides value. And so I, I think Deontay Johnson is going to be one of those perfect, uh, perfect targets, whether it's fading in a startup draft. I mean, he might go, what, you know, super flex me around 10 or something. I mean, I saw him. Yeah, I saw him go. It was, I can't remember where yeah. it was. At least round eight, maybe round 10. 10, 11, 12. I mean, it's just, it's kind of nutty that you can get him as your wide receiver for probably really comfortable in a team build. So, yeah, absolutely. Especially so, if you do it the right way. Like, and he's not overly old. For. No, he's only 27 and right. he, he's done it with, you know, let's not act like Roethlisberger was this fantastic quarterback when Deontay Johnson was putting yeah. up these seasons. So, I, right. And I, he's done it with, with, with capital around him. You know, Chase Claypool, meaningful capital. George Pickens, meaningful capital. And, uh, and, and yeah, so 27 years old and, and with my, uh, kind of future cast probabilities, looking at career arcs and comps and all that 67% chance for another top 24 season, 44% chance for another top 12 season. You can see all those numbers at wide receiver over there on the, uh, UTH dynasty rankings. Um, I want to go over, you know, you had a tweet, uh, come, you know, in the last maybe week or so talking about Clyde Edwards Lair. So not a fan in general. Um, what, what is I, your action plan for Clyde edwards Delaire, and how would you assess him at this point in his career? Well, um, unfortunately, um, I did draft him in one spot. It was a Devi League, so Jonathan Taylor was not available. Um, so I took him at the, I think it was the 102 because Burrow was there, but uh-huh. um, I did sell him after his rookie season there, but he he's... I guess I just don't see the upside in Clyde Edwards. The draft capital is there. He was a first round draft pick. He was inactive yesterday. It could have been because of his coming back from injury, but you know, you see Jarek McKinnon he's, he's carved out a role in the chiefs game for in the passing game. And then you see Pacheco, I think had over 70 rushing yards against the Eagles last night as well. It's, I, I don't think we're going to see a layer back with the Chiefs. I think we could see the Chiefs spend meaningful second or third round capital at the position this year. Wouldn't it be and good then, news if he wasn't back with the Chiefs? Yes and no, well, but I mean, I mean, it's not I good mean, that they're giving up on him. But I mean, even Sony Michelle, like we've seen some of the bigger round one disappointments still latch on. I mean, he's he would be twenty. I'm, I'm just kind of pitching the opposite side, but I mean, no, absolutely. I'm I mean, I mean, good. first round pedigree. He's only twenty four. Fell out of favor uh, with his his first team, and frankly, a lot of people were like, "Yeah, why are they making that pick anyway?" Um, Absolutely. I mean, he could very well go to the Bengals. Um, as I've someone mentioned that just because Burrow's there and Chase is there is kind of a joke, but I don't even know if it was a joke that could be reality. But I, my problem is, is you have a draft class that has decent players coming up, and I'm not saying. I'm not saying Claire is going to be bad. I'm just saying he's going to have to, you know, he could be an excellent value pick. I could be wrong, but um, I just think that if, you know, let me ask you, would you rather have a Clyde Edwards layer? Would you rather have an Alexander Madison at this point? Um, I have Edwards layer higher. And a lot of that is just on pedigree and pedigree. And, and one thing on Madison is I, the more I looked at it, you know, when I did the deep scrub going into the mm-hmm. off season was, a lot of times this, you know, you reach the critical mass and I, you know, I know we heard the reports Madison had interest, you know, in the trade market and all this kind of stuff at the deadline, but we are talking about a guy that is later day two and we haven't seen many examples of you just kind of run off as a free agent and find a starting opportunity. It generally doesn't happen a lot when you have shown 
as little as Madison did. He has had a bit of a rough, rough streak. Dalvin Cook didn't miss a lot of time over the course. You know, he didn't pull a James Conner where it's all yeah. of a sudden like like a year or two in. It's like, oh, it's your job. <laughs> Boy, isn't that a nice, clean transition? So we yeah. didn't see that at all. And you kind of brought up, uh, in pa- it was in passing, and I frankly sh- I wanted to say something back uh, earlier in the show, that they could move on from Dalvin Cook and Madison, you know, they, they re-signed him and that's the new starter there. That would be, that. that's kind of a corkscrew move that I wasn't even really calibrating on. Um, you know, I'm not overly bullish on where we stand currently with Dalvin Cook. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's theoretically possible that they move on from Dalvin Cook and save a little money and keep Madison. And we'll see with Wong Wu and Ty Chandler and, you know, do do they add something? But yeah, I just, you know, for Madison, I I have to, I like him, but it's interesting because I kind of like him with where he was, which was a high-end injury away guy. Yes. Just a, a, a hand grenade of upside that could hit any particular week. Maybe the new Latavius Murray, you know, when we get down, you know, years yeah. from now and look back. But I just, I, I just I? wonder in the scope of the NFL, if like I, I see him almost like a try hard guy. Like I'm, I'm trying yeah. not to be biased. I don't think he's overtly talented, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. You're really the one of the editors I was I work with was spot on. I mean, you're really hoping for Michael, a Michael Turner type outcome where right. you haven't really done much. You go to Atlanta and you kind of become this stud Rarely. running back. Yes. You know, oh, exactly. It's, like it's a, I mean, I'm with Toby you. Gerhard is that that example gone wrong, right? He goes over oh, to Jacksonville after sitting behind Peterson and he does absolutely nothing. Complete flame out. Yes, absolutely. And that does happen. Um, and I'm with you. I haven't seen the market since the rumors of cook being traded but i did get him i want to I, I think i did see him going in like the 13th or 14th round the other day which well if you're drafting a, right now especially right i mean you've got yeah. the upside of free agency at worst you would think madison finds a running back to injury away job which is kind yeah. of where he was and in yeah. around 12 13 14 i mean that's but we just talked about deontay johnson we just talked about you know some of these wide receivers could still be in play there absolutely um, and there's a bunch of running backs, right? I mean, anyway, so that, that's kind of where I stand. I'm I'm neutral-ish on on Madison. I'm rooting for him. Uh, a big fan there, but I just I just know that the odds aren't overly high historically of this thing working out. Yeah, absolutely. You're really. I mean, at that stage, depending on where he's going now. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're really like hoping 45, 50, something like that. So again, it's pretty easy to fit him in. That that's yeah. the thing. But it's mainly a uh, are you really going to step out for him? Yeah. That, that's 100%. one of the bigger arguments. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's talk about some some trades here uh, to close out. So here's an interesting one. We got Deontay Johnson as part of it, and it's for Tony Pollard. So this is trading running back for wide receiver. You know, again, we're always considering a, a bunch of different team dynamics. So if you're heavy at running back, light at running back, you know, what you're trying to do. How do you kind of get your your head around this one in the market with Pollard? Wide range of outcomes could be back in Dallas, could be gone. Deontay Johnson, you already mentioned uh, that that has some fluidity as well. Yeah, I, I feel like we've seen the ceiling for Pollard, and that was this past season. So I think we're buying at, at the high. In you know, I if I'm the Pollard owner, I would absolutely be happy to get Deontay Johnson for Tony Pollard. I think that profile. I'm not sure how what the longevity is. Um, we saw the ankle injury happen in the playoffs. I just don't think he's built for a high usage workload. So then you're really going to hope that he can continue his high efficiency. Whereas we've seen Deontay Johnson absolutely 
do this for the long term, and we're just missing the scoring aspect this season. So yeah. um, I lean pretty heavily on the Deontay Johnson side on that one. Yeah, one of my one of my underrated aspects of this deal is I don't think a lot of people are tracking Tony Pollard's going to be twenty six this year, and yeah. you know he's been miring as a relative term. I mean, he he finally became more predictably viable on weeks that Ezekiel Elliott is healthy this year. And 26, and I just don't think he's built for it either. You know, this is not a, and we've seen it with Antonio Gibson. Some of these guys that you have to ask yourself, not a workhorse in college, and they start off in the NFL, not a workhorse really, or having some durability issues. And you, they, the guys that get carries, it's because they already got carries. It's kind of a weird sort of thing. You know, why does Zeke get a ton of carries? Because he's been doing it since he's been mm-hmm. probably 16 yes. years old. He doesn't know any different. He's built for it. They're just wired. So, yeah. and Pollard, he's not wired. He's dynamic. But do you really think for a month and a half of getting high level usage, he's going to stay healthy? Yeah, I especially don't. like between the tackles, like his body's yeah. just. Yeah. yeah and, here, no. and here's the part he's going like in the top 15, 18, 20 of the <laughs> running back position. That's nutty for not knowing if he's going to be back, how the NFL free agency is going to treat him. Can he hold up his ankle? Right. So you put all those things together, and it feels like lighting money on fire by taking him right now. We talk about insulation. You're drafting right now. You have no idea how the NFL is going to treat him, where he's going to be, and it's a big running back market potentially if there's a lot of names out there, and you still have to wait through uh, the draft. Someone yeah, I mean, could find I, best player available in the first three rounds. They signed Pollard two months ago, but now they draft someone notably on day two. I mean, even if you look at it in terms of range of outcomes, right? Like, where I can't even tell you, like, if I if I had Pollard on my roster, which I don't, um, I can't even tell you what situation I would want him in for the coming season <laughs> right. where I think he's going to get this high level of opportunity. Because right. if it's back in Dallas, there's the rumor that Zeke, they want Zeke back at a reduced price. Right. And then he enters free agency. You know, the last free agent that's had any meaningful value was James Conner. But I was able to get James Conner, you know, in a league when he signed that deal in Arizona, because everyone just thought that um, I can't remember who the other running back he was battling with, but everyone thought he was the starter. So wherever he goes, it's going to kind of be an upward battle just to get the same level of snaps that he had this season. Right. There's a lot of pedigree out there. There's a lot of proven running backs. And to assume that Pollard's going to crash parties and 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 go dance on graves, that he's going to uh, do that. And the other thing, the final thing I would say from a team composition standpoint, see, this is why you stockpile running backs. And then when you have the opportunity in the trade market, you trade for a stable wide receiver production profile. And then you build out. And if you make a trade like this every year, all of a sudden you can go from, eh, I feel okay about a couple wide receivers. Things haven't gone totally right for me. But, you know, like this year you had Dante Johnson. Next year, you know, you add another one. And all of a sudden, you know, over time, you get really, really insulated and you're still backfilling with rookie running backs and, free, uh, you know, waiver wire guys. Uh, but you keep adding, uh, you know, in your top three, four, five. And it's okay to have. Uh, a couple thirty-year-olds in your wide receiver. It's okay if your, you know, your your next youngest guy is your next oldest guy. Excuse me, is Deontay Johnson at twenty-seven? All that's fine. And frankly, unless Pollard goes completely in fuego with some, you know, landing spot, I doubt if you're building out and you have a bunch of running backs, if you're going to feel it all that much this year of losing Pollard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I really feel like if you had Pollard this year, it was kind of like found money. I mean, I know he was going a little bit high last year because we saw the upside a year ago, but it, you were really rewarded for the risk you took taking him even at an elevated cost last year because it very easily could have backfired, um, especially with like Dak's injury. 
I mean, I remember when I think it was when when Dak got hurt that first time that allowed them to get Elliott. I mean, the whole team was a disaster. So the fact that they were able to even withstand that injury in the early part of the season was kind of an amazing thing in that aspect because I can't remember what happened that season, but I remember Dak got hurt and they got a top five pick to get Zeke, I want to say, and that team was just a disaster. So when Dak got hurt week one this year, I was kind of like, well, what's going to happen? Is that going to be another top 10 pick? Right. Uh, we got a George Pickens deal. This is in Superflex, and it's for Alexander Madison and a 23 first. Uh, I think the big talking point here is what does that first have to be for you to like that side? Does it matter uh, how high the first is? And and just talk through Madison Pickens and then obviously the plus element to the Madison side. Yeah, that one's tough. I like Pickens. I, I'm not sure. See, I'm, I'm assuming 12 team. Yeah. I would say for me, it seems like after the top six, it's kind of a no man's land. So I think 106 would kind of be the threshold I'd need it to get to. And then, you know, Madison's kind of a throw in at that point. I mean, Pickens, you're, you're really finding found money with that because Pickens last year, I want to say you could get him around 112 He's a late to 201 somewhere. So 106 feels like what I would need. I feel like if you're going to really feel comfortable with that trade and this is assuming super flex, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So one Oh six, you got your two quarterbacks, you got Bijan, you got Gibbs. And then one Oh five is probably where I'm at right now as of today. Okay. I'd be a little like, I'm actually more comfortable even going later just because right now it's, it's not looking like a lot of running back pedigree. So beyond two guys, we may not have another, at least until we get, all the way to April. Um, we may not feel comfortable with another running back in the first round of Superflex, but I do think we're going to get four quarterbacks. Receivers. And we're going to get four or five wide receivers with round one pedigree. And so I'll take, you know, I'll take a round one pedigree wide receiver over Pickens. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. a prudent historical play. You get Madison added in there. And again, if, if one of those quarterbacks is the, the best player on the board for you, it doesn't mean you have to take them, but that's still going to have some decent appeal. Yeah, so because sure. Levis is probably going to get some good pedigree. Anthony Richardson has the rushing upside as long as he you know doesn't f- fall out of round one or something like that. So, um, and that still could be available to you at 10, 11, 12. You, you know, you start doing the math. I mean, doing adding round one wide receivers plus the quarterbacks plus the running backs. I mean, I'm already at 11. So, yeah, I mean, so yeah, pretty much for me, any first, uh, I would take that. And you have the wild card of Madison. I mean, if someone's willing to give you. <laughs> an early or second or something right now on the prospect that maybe he goes somewhere or you get some drum beat that he's Dalvin cook is going to be cut or whatever. Then again, that's, that, that still is, it's a throw in, in, in practice here, but it still could have some uptick value, you know, and, and worst case, it seems like injury away as we discussed a minute ago. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's do one more trade here and it's a Monroe St. Brown on the move. Pretty good package. You mentioned Isaiah Pacheco. So we'll get to weigh in here. A Monroe St. Brown for Aaron Jones, Isaiah Pacheco, and Jahan Dotson. Um, this one I could. It depends on kind of your roster makeup. I do like Dotson. I feel like the community's kind of. It depends on who you talk to. I feel like he's kind of an afterthought. He could be. I, I see the potential there, but there's no quarterback to get you home there. You could argue the same thing for the Lions and the longevity of Goff. Um, I feel like in a majority of my teams, I would take. <laughs> Oh man, this one's actually really tough. I would probably lean towards 
I'm probably going to lean towards the package because I think that Dotson has that upside. If we can get home on a quarterback, I know that Sam Howell's rumored to start there. I don't buy that for a second though. <laughs> um, and then you have Aaron Jones. There's a lot of murkiness there. They could be cut this off season, but there's still upside that he could go somewhere else. It's, it's always a gamble there, but he does have that pass catching ability. Um, if I'm put, if my team's in a position where I'm competing for a championship this upcoming season, which that's what I'm always trying to get, I feel like I'd probably take the Jones and Dotson side, and Pacheco's probably going to be just a throw in there because I don't think he's a long term answer at that position. He's fun to watch, though. I'll say yeah. that <laughs> it was it was so nice to watch the Chiefs run the ball. Like every time they ran it, I was like, "It's a good decision." Good decision. Yeah. You're just you're just carving out uh, the Eagles there. Um, yeah, I'll say this: that by UT trade calculator, it's very fair. Uh, it's a plus thirty six percent on the package side. But if you're considering Amon Ross St. Brown the best asset in the deal, which I do, um, that's around what you'd be looking to to sell for, and that's probably what you're going to have to buy for. You know, somewhere in that plus thirty percent range uh, is that best player premium. And I kind of wonder, you know, Aaron Jones twenty like. This looks pretty good. You're like, ah, Chiefs starting running back, first round pedigree in Dotson, Aaron Jones. You know he's been a stud. At, you know at it, at his peak, but you you also look at it this way: 28 year old Aaron Jones, seventh round pedigree in Pacheco, where you figure Chiefs are going to be doing something at running back. McKinnon free agent, nothing else that they have has really worked out or been their uh, their taste. And then Jahan Dotson, is he going to be the wide receiver one for his team? I can make that pitch, but I don't think it's obvious with Terry McLaurin. Washington loves Terry McLaurin. And to to really get home, they've got to have an elite quarterback. If Dotson and McLaurin are both going to be productive and good. And right. so that yeah. to me, that's a tough sell. And Amon Ross St. Brown has been good enough. I've been resistant to him. He's already got two really good season, one basically elite season, and he's 23 years old. So I don't know. I, I think that carries, you know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Monroe St. Brown. I will say this is a fair and pretty aggressive buy price uh, for what you gave up, but I think it could come crumbling down. Like you could easily get to, you know, ending this coming season, and it's like, well, you got Dotson, eh, you kind of mired in the, you know, let's say wide receiver thirty to sixty range. And then Aaron Jones doesn't quite look the same. Who knows what his situation is? Pacheco got uh, lapped by somebody that they drafted or brought in. Yeah. And you're like, what do I got? What did I really get? So that that would be my one concern on that side. And you're, it is two more roster spots, you know. So you can obviously that is yeah, you know if it's, if it's 25 to 30 roster spots, you're gonna have viable options. What through another trade? Maybe it's an extra rookie pick you're able to make, or a couple of free agent pickups. For sure. Yeah, I, I see the thing on Dotson. Um, Aaron Jones is getting up there in age two. So I definitely see that Amon Ra's up there in assets. And then I know a lot of people are just assuming that he's going to fall by the wayside with the incoming rookie from last year. But, um, you know, Jameson I, Williams is more of a speed guy, more of like, frankly, those speed guys, they end up being more, you know, vertical number twos, vertical, right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, more so than target hogging dominant number ones. Yeah, and we just saw how the production from that offense. So there's definitely room to have two solid contributors on that offense, based as opposed to like you said, Washington and Dotson. So I understand that point too. Yep. All right, uh, Justin, uh, tell folks where you can they can find you. Uh, they've been hearing you on this show, and where can they find you elsewhere for your your written content uh, on Twitter, uh, other podcasts you do um, as well in the space here. Yeah, so my uh, I can be found on Twitter at Dynasty Mad, and then uh, my written contents over. I write for uh, Prediction Strike, um, which is just kind of a fantasy marketplace for you know fantasy players. So that's where you can find my written content, and then I'm obviously giving my hot takes over here. Not hot takes, but my takes on the Dynasty Mad Twitter account too. 
Yeah, you are dynasty mad. I will say that you are a high variance. You're all over the place. Yeah. B, I would say you're not a, you're not a opposed to flamethrowing a little bit, whether yeah. it's at a player at a, a take you heard. Um, so you definitely will mix it up. I will say it's not always safe for work. So people yes. should probably know that. Not that you know you're going to be listening to Justin read his tweets. So that's that'll be easier there. I did want to ask one random question to close, which is: Do you have a an unpopular food take? Do you have something that you like that no one else would some combination do you i know you've worked in the food service industry as well we talked about that um or do you have something that hey everyone likes this but you know what everyone's stupid everyone's stupid and i don't get it yeah so i'm definitely my dad's a chef so i'm very picky with what i eat i generally go with mexican cuisine but really um something yes. i like I'll, i don't it's a popular one but i really do love uh Instead of Canadian bacon, I like uh, actual okay. bacon and pineapple pizza. It's fantastic if it's done actual right. Actual bacon and pineapple. Is that a special order? Uh, yeah. We know pineapple on a pizza is very... Hot I mean, you can, yeah, you can, you can elicit fights. That's what I've been told. I've actually been told. It's delicious, the though. You know what I love? I love the... Uh, it's it's kind of like the spicy chicken or like barbecue chicken pizzas. Yeah. But then you add... like I love the jalapenos on there. And then you also add pineapple. And I think the blend of sweet and spicy and then tangy of the chicken, like I think people should leave people alone about what to put on a pizza. Yeah. So I, in here in Kansas City, there's a thing called burnt ends, which I love. And uh, my go-to, I got my- It's people, from barbecue, right? Burnt ends of, yes. uh, of meat. Okay. So I do burnt end and uh, burnt end and jalapeno bacon, and it is fantastic. Yes. Love it. Love it. All right. Uh, that's going to do it. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Justin. I am Chad Parsons. Reminder about patreon.com slash UTH. If you want to support the show, didn't hear ads, straight through Dynasty Discussion Goodness with Justin here this week. Uh, sign up over there at Patreon. Get some exclusive content. We have a VIP chat, and you're going to get previews of UTH content, talk about historical studies, and all inner workings of UTH before it becomes content, or just additional premium Dynasty uh, shows that you're not going to find anywhere else. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. 